Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. Planning an international trip and want to learn the language of your destination? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com today let the word go forth fool me once are you fired up i'm not a crook are you ready to go shame on shame on you it's abe lincoln's top hat hosted by ben kissel boom you can't get fooled again no way where did you used to play uh, Canarsie, East New York, Brownsville, in okay. the streets. Okay. Yeah. And I played high school football for Brooklyn Prep. Nice. Yeah, he was a, he was an all-star. Welcome to the show, everyone. That's Marcus Parks. Huge show today. Very honored to have Eric Reynolds uh, with us, and Curtis Sliwa is with us as well. Thank you guys so much for being here. Hey, you're welcome. And uh, for those that don't recall, <clears throat> Mr. Eric Reynolds, he was one of the arresting officers for the Central Park Five. Go back and listen to that episode um, right here on Able Against Stop It. You're going to love it. And Curtis Sliwa, of course, the CEO, founder of uh, the Guardian Angels. He's an American institution and an American hero and an American patriot. You've left one thing out. A, le- a legend in my own mind. <laughs> you, you le- that's very important. Please. I thought it was implied with the last name Sliwa. <laughs> I think everyone already knows. Uh, there's a bunch of stuff to talk about. Let's start with the Gardner case. Obviously, there was a bunch of protests and riots all over the streets of New York. Again, not as violent or as messy as the environmentalist protests that came through here a month ago. So that was very good on their part. Um, but I'm not sure what your guys' points of view are. This uh, officer Pantaleo. P- Pantaleo? Pantaleo. Pantaleo. Sounds like you should be reading horoscopes. <laughs> I'm Officer Pantaleo. You're a cancer. Today you're going to die from a chokehold. How do I know? I'm going to put you in one and kill you. So uh, Gardner goes down. He's a heavy set guy who was selling Lucy's, which is funny because that seems to be the most intriguing thing to a lot of people is that they're like, Lucy's? Now what's a Lucy? So you're telling me now an individual sale of tobacco products? And you're like, yeah, get past it. We're talking about the chokehold, the guy that was murdered by the cops. That's what we're discussing. But now what do you mean? Just one cigarette? It's just one cigarette. It's one cigarette. Yeah, you can get them at a deli. It's New York. All right. So uh, I want to get both of your points of view. Um, Eric, now obviously Pantaleo was uh, not indicted by the grand jury. The guy who took the video was indicted for a small gun charge, so he's he's looking at at least three and a half years. Mm -hmm. Well, wait, there's no such thing as a small gun charge. Well, it was a tiny gun. (laughs) Uh, It wasn't an AK-47, you know, nothing like that. Um, But what do you think? Do you think the grand jury made the right decision not to indict Eric? You know, it, it, let's let's start from the beginning. You know, the fact that somebody died here is is just tragic. Okay, yeah. it's tragic for everybody involved, for the Gardner family. You know, for actually for Officer Pantaleo himself. You know, well, it's not that tragic for Officer Pantaleo. I mean, he, well, don't you get like when you're a quarterback, yeah. you get like a like a Jameis Winston. I was watching the FSU mm-hmm. game yesterday. 
full of uh, hatchet uh, uh, hatchets on his helmet. So every time he throws a touchdown, they give him a new sticker. So I think Pantaleo has one of those now. <laughs> well, Just that he has a body. He has a little corpse uh, button that he gets. I could tell you, nobody wants to go to work and, and hurt anyone. Right, you know, nobody. You want to go. You want to go to work. You want to go home, and you just, you, you know what I mean. You want to have enforced the law and did the right thing. Uh, I'm sure he's very disturbed by the fact that you know that Eric Gardner died as a result of his actions. Well, do you think and, he's disturbed that he died, or do you think he's disturbed that everyone thinks he's a demon? I'm sure both. I'm sure both. Yeah. You know. Um, but just because you're disturbed or you're distraught or you're upset that you did something that led to somebody's death doesn't mean you deserve to get off. I mean, I guarantee you every single person that has ever been well, no. convicted of a crime is just like, I really regret that. <laughs> I'm just going to say that right now. I'm not thrilled I robbed that store. Well, all right. Well, if we get to the legal aspect of it, why is he justified? Right. Then, you know, and what's behind the grand jury decision? I'm, in my mind, probably one of the, the more critical issues is his underlying health and what specifically caused him to die. Okay, was he strangled to death or was his death the result of several factors, you know, starting with the stress of having his airway blocked by having uh, Officer Pantaleo's arm around his neck? Then the additional stress of, you know, the psychological stress of being arrested and dealing with the police. And then the additional stress of when he gets down on the ground because of the additional weight that his body bears because Mm -hmm. he's overweight and the fact that he might, you know, have heart, you know, pre-existing heart issue you know, he's diabetes, uh, you know, whatever else is there makes him more susceptible to dying as a result of, of strenuous activity like this. I don't... So the, the, so the question for the, for the, the question for the grand right. jury is, you know, in other words, would a, would a reasonable person have expected him to die in the course of the, you know, the action that Pantaleo was taking. The one thing I would say, and uh, Curtis, I've got to get your response here, but I'm just going to say, um, it's not as if he had internal heart disease. It wasn't something that was hidden. Everyone knew the guy was morbidly obese. And when somebody's morbidly obese, also black, I mean, it's not exactly like, hey, these health factors are all coming up aces. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a good chance this man was going to have some health problems, given his obvious weight. Why wouldn't the officer be forced then to take that into account before he goes, jumps on a person's back, like... Um, like Curtis mentioned with uh, Andre the Giant, how they used to do that, sure. uh, you know, when they used to fight him off. Why wouldn't that be on the officer to recognize that uh, maybe I can't be so physically aggressive with this person because he is three breaths away from dying? Or maybe I shouldn't be selling loose cigarettes because I'm three breaths away from dying. He wasn't smoking them. He was selling them. Curtis, what do you think? Oh, man, Ben, your football analogy, right? You know why he made that analogy. Because Pantaleo was wearing the 99, number 99 throwback jersey. Remember when he jumped him Mm -hmm. and yoked him with the chokehold? He was wearing 99. So you see, I. Is that Michael Strahan's jersey? See that? See that? Yeah. But anyway, you talk about him being uh, morbidly obese. (laughs) <laughs> Sometimes Really truly in this case mm. If you uh, line up outside a club The guy who's going to do a stop and frisk on you mm-hmm. And actually looking at you Ben He's going to say sneakers You ain't getting into this club <laughs> Is morbidly obese You got to understand right. in the hood When you're big or Italian organized crime Where these fat slobs Are f- like 400 pounds And you can't even put handcuffs around their their wrists You got to actually pull out a daisy chain You know, they would put on on their legs uh, Leg irons Being big is an intimidating thing Right And actually considered a positive, not a negative People aren't thinking diabetes mm-hmm. You know, aren't thinking, gee, the guy's going to die early They're saying, man, this guy rolls strong You don't sure. want to mess with him And in fact whether he was in a fight before this or was breaking up a fight, 
he was an enforcer on that block, protecting right. his turf, selling Lucy's for 50 cent. Well, that's a great deal for a Lucy. Or, or driving off the competition. Yeah. Wait, was he selling Lucy's for 50 cents, or was he selling it for the rapper 50 cents? Uh, well, that threw me off. 50 cent wasn't getting his cut. Oh, Listen, okay. Eric, it was too you low have, budget. You have two more jokes you're allowed, Eric, <laughs> and then after that, we're done. Well, I, as far as Thanks, the... Ben. He didn't know as far like as, as far as like well you know because he had these uh, other ailments then Garner shouldn't be responsible for those ailments I don't know that seems like the same Pantaleo. kind of or Pantaleo shouldn't be uh, responsible for these ailments it kind of seems like the same type of logic is like if you hit someone with muscu- muscular mm-hmm. dystrophy with your car you're not responsible for that because. They have muscular dystrophy, whereas if you would have hit somebody who is healthy with your car, they would have survived. It seems that that logic doesn't really seem to stand. Just because he had uh, other injuries... I'm, ex- I'm explaining why he died. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. I'm saying what caused his death. I'm not justifying the death. I'm saying... All right, I, mis- I misunderstood then. Being, being that sick, being that obese, being that, you know, with coronary issues... Right makes you less able to to you know to fight off disease to to fight off all sorts of things. Fight off an officer who just jumped on your back. Right. Uh, Right. My only problem with that is you don't expect to go out in America. Theoretically, uh, you're supposed to be able to go out and uh, go through your day and not get attacked by people that are supposed to uh, you know be there to support and help the community. You know, you're, you're, I don't think it's an expectation that it's like, well, I better watch my weight today because it's Thursday and it's, oh, this is the day where the cops come and beat me up. I mean, you're supposed to be able to go on your block and have the um, trust that you're going to be left alone for the most part. I mean, granted, I think he was arrested multiple times for selling, uh, you know, for similar things. And I think he was sick and tired. We have Jim Polk on, who is a great defense attorney. He was sick and tired of being arrested. And I think it, oh, it escalated very, He's committing very a crime. What do you mean? Yeah. All of a sudden, but he's why? sick and tired. Curtis, he falls like a cheap camera every other time. He knows the yeah. system. He goes in and out. He gets a disappearance ticket at the precinct, which means he gets to go home unless he has any priors or outstanding warrants. There's a good chance he does. So the point is, he's been through the system before. He knows the routine. He decided to make Custer's last stand. And all that did to the cops is rile them up because now it's like, you're used to this. What? What the hell are you doing? Well, just just put your wrists out. We cuff you. We take you to the precinct. You'll probably be home at home in the projects where he lives by the time it's dark out. By the look and of yet it, he decided to make it Custer's last stand. By the look of it, I think it was more like a Custard's last stand. Oh, <laughs> uh, kind of a funny joke there on my part. Oh, then you, you get two much. more jokes. <laughs> hey, all right, I'll take them. I can't wait. Custard's uh, last stand, everybody. So you're in agreement that the officer should not have been indicted for the oh, no. murder? I believe he should have been indicted. Okay, I, I thought the chokehold was excessive mm-hmm. because there was more than enough other options that he and his team could have utilized. Plus, you had a female uh, black uh, supervising sergeant just standing around in a doorway. She occasionally comes into view in the Orta video. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she's just standing there. And then the EMTs, they arrive from which, uh, Richmond County Hospital. They don't do anything. So... Um, in my mind, chokehold should never have been applied. You indict him, 
as to whether you're going to get a jury of 12 of his sure. peers to then convict him, probably not. But even Trayvon Martin's parents, they got a trial anyway. You know, that was the thing. Well, wait, Trayvon Martin a- is a different case it is. whatsoever. Because you're Trayvon com- Martin is an innocent kid right. who was minding his business that did nothing to anybody, and a, a thug came after him, a wannabe cop, mm-hmm. and attacked this kid. So that's the only difference is that uh, Tra- uh, George Zimmerman was a wannabe cop as opposed to a real cop. So once you get that badge, then you get one murder. Oh, man. Is that You're the, really I mean, in my face? No, I'm not in your <laughs> face. Jesus Christ. I'm not in your face. No, George no. Zimmerman was not a cop. Right. Okay. He did nothing that a cop would have done in that situation because no crime had occurred. Let, let, let right. me, let me He's help him. He's someone who he, had racial animus. Know, I don't need help. No, no. His age group, they identify with movies. Think De Niro, <laughs> yeah. taxi driver, nut job, screwball. Yeah. That's Zimmerman, okay? You no, get it? No, you no, no, no. You just referenced well, every movie that your generation knows. <laughs> now, taxi <laughs> driver was like 75. <laughs> now, what are the most recent <laughs> movies in the theaters right now that are starring the actors that I loved in the mid-70s? It's like, a okay, classic. Like, it's like a, Nature. The Warriors, you right? You've seen that. <laughs> Wait a second. Now, Travis Bickle had a lot of redeeming qualities. Okay. Let's, all right, old tr- man. Would you please? <laughs> I wouldn't. Con- I wouldn't compare him to fucking George Zimmerman. No, obviously not. But at least they got a trial. I mean, George should have been found guilty. And there's well, no yeah, doubt about absolutely. That. But that's playing into the larger narrative. Obviously, coming on the heels of the Michael Brown, Darren Wilson. Uh, not uh, being indicted for the for killing of that kid, it's playing into a much larger narrative. And I just want to ask this: Do you believe it's an epidemic of cops killing uh, black people? Is there an epidemic, or the, is it is it something that is um, more uh, prominent now than ever before? Because you hear about it a lot more. No, it's not. Now. It's not more prominent. Definitely not. No. Are we just You're hearing, hearing about, about it, more? it more? Yeah, definitely. I mean, th- through your work with uh, with obviously the Guardian Angels, and then with uh, with your work in the NYPD, did you find that there was um, that there was like, let's go out there today, let's get at least eight black people, and then uh, you know that'll be our that's going to be our uh, a protocol for the day. All right. Can I tell you about racist cops? Please. Do you want to see? Because I always hear this stuff, this crazy stuff, you know, about cops wanting to go out and hurt people and all this. Let me tell you about the racist cop. The racist cop values one thing among more than everything else, and that's his job and his freedom. Okay, actually, two things. All right, he comes to work, and you know what he thinks? He thinks, let these fucking animals kill each other. I'm not going to lose my job over them. Okay? Okay. I'm sending my kids to college. We're living up way a million miles away from this place because mm-hmm. when I sign out at the end of the day I roll up my windows I drive through all the red lights and I get the fuck out of Dodge let these people kill each other so you're so arguing when you the get racist a cop, when yeah. you get a cop who's out there taking action who's actually doing something he's the one that, that this shit actually matters to a lot of times so you're arguing that racist cops ironically police less absolutely because they just sit in their absolutely. car and eat their ding dongs and try they to clock out they don't want to get night. involved they right. do not want to get involved. The operational phrase is don't get involved, let the animals kill each other. Sure. I'm Curtis, not losing my job for these people. Right. Curtis, you've been bashed in by gangs, cops, Jewish people, I believe, some yes, Hasidic uh, people are uh, the whole nine take, taking you down. But first 13 years of organizing the Guardian Angels, right. I was persona non grata. Uh, they thought I was uh, leading a, a posse of uh, vigilantes, the Hells Angels. Right. Uh, there was no support. So I ended up getting tooled up often, taken in, arrested for, you know, 
no charges, but a harassment charge. Could okay. be disorderly conduct, disturbing the peace, unlawful assembly, assault and battery. Eventually, you work through the system. You catch a few wooden shampoos, a few attitudinal mm. readjustments, concrete facials along the way. <laughs> but the point is... I love that porno, concrete facials. <laughs> uh, that's one of the know, hottest ones turn off for you. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Probably really pay, get, pay, yeah. pay somebody to do that. But... <laughs> I'm getting going. The, the point being is, is that... We run into black-on-black crime every day. Yeah. I mean, there's young black thugs taking off. That's why when de Blasio is talking about his son, Dante, I'm like saying, wait a second, probably some white Irish cops are driving him around right now from Mm -hmm. place to place as part of this security, and he does need security. He's the mayor's son. Right. But what about when they were living in Park Slope? When all of a sudden Dante said, hey, Dad, Mom, I want to go hang out in Prospect Park with my friends. Hang in the north part of the park. Don't go into the southern part of the park. White and black parents tell their kids that because in the southern part are the black gangs who will take you off. And if you have a bicycle, they rip you off. I think so it's different now. I think now it's uh, the southern parts for vegans, vegans and the oh, northern that. parts for vegetarians. There's really no room for anything else. That's right. Ever since you hipsters took over the park. <laughs> yeah, it's I awful. hate you hipsters. I want my city back. I'm on the muffin side. I love cronuts. <laughs> they can't see eye to eye oh, on you're anything. you're gluten-free. Oh, to hell sad. with you and your Thai restaurants. Mm. But yeah, so you're saying so it's black, black on black, black crime. Well, I mean, I think black on black crime that that's a bit of a myth because it's just people tend to correct. I mean, that's a white, bit of a myth. White people commit crime against other white people with almost the same percentage as far as black people commit crime against other black people. It's people commit crimes against people who look like them. Well, they're people who would be in the same neighborhood as yeah, them. The people there that are in the same neighborhood. Where do you so get that nonsense? Okay. Dante is from Park Slope. Right. Some project kids came over and ripped him off. Dante ain't living in their, in, in their hood. He's living in Park Slope. So it has nothing to do with the fact you live it. Now, was, there a Dante, lot of was Dante actually uh, uh, beat up by some people? Well, we don't know that. I mean, well, there's no I've record heard. of that. But I'll tell you this much. He goes to Brooklyn Tech in the lead high school. He earned his way in. Mm-hmm. But after school, I bet you the parents don't let him hang around in Fort Greene. He's not walking through the Ingersoll or the Walt Whitman Project. Say, Yo, what's up, Biggie Smalls? Yeah, I remember Biggie living here. They take him off. He'd be like a carcass in the Mojave Desert, yeah. that soft sucker. Because they'd say, hey, look at this soft sucker. Let's take him off. That's the way it is in the streets. I'm just happy we got to Biggie Smalls. We're in 1992 oh, for now, so I think by the end of this, we're going to get all the way to P. Diddy, uh, which will be great, Curtis. <laughs> you do know who Biggie is, right? Of course. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. I hey. just want to know. He's a, he's an icon. He's a, he's a legend. Uh, but but this is the anger is is really there, and it's it's really um, resonating whoa, whoa, whoa. right now. Can, can I just interject? I of was course. in the middle of the first demonstration. Going from Union Square through Herald Square. The Eric Gardner demonstration. Right, right. The Eric Gardner. And, and, and no, actually, the Ferguson demonstration. Oh, okay. we had them here. Sure. I said, wow, this is a selfie demonstration. All these right. white kids, mm-hmm. you know, who are in here from Iowa where there are more pigs than people, <laughs> taking selfies of themselves, sending it back. Hey, mom, dad, who used to be the old hippie burnouts. Look, aren't you proud of me? You're paying $55,000, you schmuck, to send me to NYU. And look at what I'm doing. I'm out here. No justice, no peace. Hands up, shoot back. Oh, no, I mean, hands up, don't shoot. Uh, the point being, they're taking yeah. selfies. Out. They're bumping yeah. into one another. I'm saying, hey, watch, you're knocking over your fellow demonstrators. Oh, great. Hey, take a selfie. Can you take my picture here? So you think it, the motivation for the Ferguson protests weren't necessarily done uh, with the right spirit? Well, what Please. they told me, these kids, 
and they are kids, is that, hey, you know, we finally had something we could stand for because all day long we're texting and sexting. We're watching reality shows. You know, we're Mama Luke's. We're at home. We're 28 years old. We're not on Obamacare anymore. We're not going out to work a job and compete with illegal aliens. So now we had our cause to get out into the streets. Roar! Right. Oofa, come on. They want to earn their trust fund. Right. That's exactly what it is. You think it's a white white guilt type thing? Uh, Without a fucking doubt. Mm. As as a black man who who got fucking uh, tarred and feathered, okay, with this Ken Burns documentary, Mm -hmm. the, the fucking claim that I took part in a racial atrocity on the level of the Emmett Till murder... Okay, in the South, back in right, the fifties, right. killing a, a black kid for whistling at a white woman, I, I just never—I've never been so appalled in my life. And I, I just, you know, I've always saw people that are liberal as like harmless. You know, like yeah, they'll have you know crazy fucking ideas and beliefs, but they usually just talk a lot of shit. A little naive. Yeah, right. yeah. But they, but after that, I said these fucking people are not fucking harmless. Mm. They are not. And which way? Which crazy. way do you think the liberal philosophy, when it comes down to their point of view on Ferguson and uh, on Gardner, how is it harmful? What's the <clears throat> What's the one harmful thing about their perspective? Do you think? Well, first of all, the, the the one harmful thing is if you're a black person and you live in Ferguson, okay, and you survived the foreclosure, uh, <clears throat> the foreclosure mess, and you survived the recession, and right. you're working two jobs to keep that house that you bought, okay, guess what? These riots just did for you, right? Guess how many people are looking to buy houses in Ferguson now? And not only that, Ben. Guess how many black people that have money that live in Ferguson aren't going to be living in Ferguson because they can get the fuck out? Right. Who's that going to? Who's who's going to be left? Who's going to pay the tax? tax base now that they burned down all those businesses. What about this argument that you have a place like, let's go to Ferguson, let's just stay there for a second, 80% white police force, whatever, 75% black community, right? What about that? What what is that? Do you feel like that? I'm a black man, and I was a cop here in New York City, and you know what? The cops still have to enforce the law. You still can't take a gun from a black cop. You still can't strong arm cigars from a store if you have black cops. You still have to fucking follow the law. Now, Ben, I'm surprised you're bringing up Ferguson where everyone is dysfunctional, white and black. That's where the equality exists and dysfunction. Yeah. They still have chop suey places. Chop suey? Yeah. I, a chop, you talk about throwbacks to the 60s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They burnt down a chop suey store. Well, uh, well you know right. what? I'm going to give him Pop a... Pop Sings Chop Suey store. I said to myself... This is dysfunction. The heartland of America. (laughs) You're judging it for the chop suey store. Chop suey is very tasty. And I'm also giving you a system of the down reference. So we're in 1997. (laughs) (laughs) You're you're climbing up. You're climbing up there, Curtis. But don't you see the dysfunction of Ferguson both sides? We saw more loony kazoonies with all the furniture upstairs and rearranging the wrong rooms from the police commissioner of Ferguson. I'm going to stay. I'm I'm resigning. I'm going to stay. To the demonstrators themselves with the constant, you know, fainting that some of the correspondents were doing. I got hit with a rock. Well, hey, the I'm, correspondents I'm, aren't even part of the but, issue. They are, they're, but the point they is, they brought out the dysfunction. Too. All the dysfunction just came out. And you said, is that really America? Is Ferguson a proper representation of America? And the answer is no. no. 
Absolutely not. Well, media would make it seem like that. Let's talk about that uh, quickly. Obviously, it's a it's a hot on fire issue where it, uh, if it bleeds, it leads. If it dies in a chokehold, it also does too. And um, right now, the media is obviously like on. There was just that boy over there who had, the twelve year old who had the toy gun. Mm-hmm. It was a very realistic toy gun to the police's credit. Nonetheless, they shot him in two seconds and didn't give him CPR for uh, four minutes, I believe. Um, the media has created a narrative that white cops, and it's always the stairwell situation. I think his last name was Gurley, Akai Gurley. Yeah. He was murdered in the stairwell of the pink uh, units. Curtis, you and I talked about it on the Ben Kissel show yeah. um, last week. Um, but that story isn't getting as much traction, well, I don't believe, because whoa, 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 the officer whoa. was Asian. All right. So that's that, the dimension. Now, that was right. the most egregious. I think we could all admit right. he's doing a vertical, he's got his gun out finger on the trigger with a flashlight, K-Light flashlight, and he uses the gun to open the door into the darkened uh, actual stairwell. Which is not what you use a gun for. Right. <laughs> you and know? He didn't maliciously go in there saying, I'm going to get myself a black eye or a black out. No. Sure. But clearly, to me, that was, out of all the cases we've just discussed, the most egregious, because he violated every tenant in the book, and no demonstrations. Yeah. And That's where I used to live, right in that area. Boy, it'd be so easy to have a demonstration because it's all projects. It's Cypress Hills on one side of Linden Boulevard. It's Boulevard Houses. And then it's what we used to call the stink houses because of the smell that would actually be in the foyer, the lobby, and the stairwells. And there were no demonstration because it's like Don King used to say, I need a great white dope. I mean hope. Right, right, right. Put a black and a white in, and you attract a crowd. Put an Asian with a black... There's no show. Well, there's still there's, there's interest and there's focus, but it isn't the same. Give me a white Irish cop mm-hmm. uh, using undue force against a black suspect, and we're off to the races. Because who shows up? Al Slim, Shady Sharpton, the National Action Hate Network, the lawyers. It's a cottage industry, and but that's what they ki- look for. He got kicked out of it, though. Well, he, he got they, kicked they out of that case, it. right? right. Right. Now, uh, but can Al, I just can Al I just Sharpton say what got thing? kicked out of what case? The Gurley situation. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Gurley's family didn't want him involved. And there was I, a, there was a mm. small uh, protest there yesterday. Okay. But not a very large one. And it just but very, very, small. very small. The My Daily news. news covered it. Or just yeah. before you start, I just want to explain to the, uh, the the verticals are where officers go into these units and they just go up and down the stairwells looking for crime, and it's a classic uh, vertical oh, and, patrol. And no, no veteran wants to do that because right. it really is not only a, a very tiring task. But uh, the rookies like to do that because they're young, they're aggressive, they're idealistic. And that's why, you see, if you notice, right. they say put a rookie with a veteran. Right. Uh, and I've been with veteran cops who want to tell you, I ain't doing no freaking vertical. I'll take the elevator to the top and work my way down. But I'm not going to be walking up those steps. Right. So, again, it's a problem here. Uh, the moment there's a problem, we want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. Everything that has been working mm-hmm. to drive crime down in the city. It's the safest large city in America. At least that's what all the police haters keep telling us. How did it get this way? Well, I'm going to say there is a correlation between lower crime and more muffin shops. So thank you, <laughs> hipsters, for that. We're doing great. <laughs> Um, but, yeah, it does seem bizarre to me that you have these vertical patrols because this is your house. These apartment units, this is where, just, this is where people live. Can you imagine if you had a home and cops were just kind of going up and down your do stairwell you know, on a regular do basis? Do you know how crime-infested the projects are? I don't. Uh, okay. Inform me on it. Do we had, we had uh, uh, well, first of all, there's a police force just for the projects. Right. There used to be. I, I mean, I've, I've had cases with kid. a kid came out of his house to empty the garbage, right? He lives on like the ninth or the tenth floor. This is in the polo grounds. Empty the garbage in the incinerator. He goes out. He gets robbed at gunpoint. 
at like eight, nine o'clock at night, just emptying his garbage. Mm-hmm. This is this is the stuff that goes on in the projects, right? And the people that live there deserve protection, and they want protection. But they also deserve to be able to go through the hallway when the elevator is broken down and not get shot by yeah, a cop. Wait, you said the magic words. Who broke the elevator to begin with? I mean, who knows? It's a shitty the elevator. The hood rats. No, the hood that. rats. You don't because know it's shitty. they know. Well, it has to. But I'm going to assume that the Pink House's elevator is Boys different have, than the ben, Trump Tower elevator. Ben, I, I, I lived in the projects. Yeah. I grew up in the projects. Great elevators? I never Please. heard this. Ben, by, they by, work. by they purposefully well vandalizing the elevator, you're now forced to use the stairwell. Okay. And let's say you live on the seventh floor. Well, guess what? You have a royal receiving company on the fourth floor that says, we're ready to mug you, your money or your life. And they're your neighbors. And then if you drop dime on them, they'll tell you snitches, get stitches, and end up in ditches. So now the pressure's on. If I drop dime, if I cooperate, if I go in that case, it's called the 75th Precinct. It has a lot of high crime. And I cooperate with the DA, and the guy goes to trial. Then I got to deal with all of his homeboys who are going to try to rape, rob, and retaliate against me. So you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. That's why it's so important that they have the verticals, that they have additional security, because they're prisoners in their own homes. Right. Right. And, and they, it's their neighbors. It's not It's not others coming from other projects. It's their own hoodlums in their own projects who are victimizing them. So if you're an officer, you have to go do the vertical patrol. What's your mindset? Eric, have you ever done a vertical patrol? Yeah, I've done plenty of verticals. And, and what's your mindset when you... I mean, that is like Curtis was saying, uh, and let me know if you think he was right. Is that something a veteran is just like, no, I, I've, I've been on the police force for five years. I'm out of vertical patrols. I'm never going to do one of those again. Or is that one of the lower positions that an officer no, can be assigned no, to? Not really. I, I would have to disagree with that. Um, I mean, the guy, the guy who's got a lot of experience probably wouldn't be out on on foot anyway he's probably you know in a radio car or he's an anti-crime or one of those other units i mean they leave it to the rookies because it's grunt work they see sure. it as grunt work and, you and, know, they, and they really they they, they have they, a passion to do it the rookies really yeah, want to go up yeah. and down but yeah the, but you know what look the reality is this it's a civil service test to become a cop to become a police officer not everybody has the stomach for it not everybody can walk through the st- through a, a darkened staircase Okay, and not have their gun out and be confident enough in themselves and, and who they are, you know, that they're, they're not going to be so scared that they're going to shoot somebody by accident. Right. Okay. Well, I you got to do your job. I had a white cop yeah. almost shoot me once because I was standing in a stairway when we had a, we had like a, a, a gun, we had like a gun run up on a, it was on a, you know, those tall buildings, the George Washington Bridge that straddled mm-hmm. the uh, highway. Somebody was pointing a laser pointer at some cops, and we narrowed down the apartment, and we, you know, we responded to the, a bunch of cops in uniform responded to the apartment. Uh, me and my partner and a lieutenant who was in uniform, what we did was we stationed ourselves three floors underneath so that if anybody got away from them, we would be in the, the stairway to stop anybody getting away from them. So I stood in the staircase. This white cop comes down. And now, mind you, nothing's going on. We don't have any description of anybody. It turned out to be a kid with the laser pointer. But before we had known that, uh, this guy, had come. he comes down. He sees me standing there. Plain clothes or wearing a... I'm wearing a suit and tie, just like I okay. am now. And I had just spoken to him four hours earlier on another case. He sees me literally almost jumps out of his fucking shoes mm-hmm. and screams, don't fucking move. And pulls out his gun and starts running down the stairs at me. So I backed up into the hallway where right. my partner was, who was wearing a suit and tie also, and a lieutenant 
was standing there in uniform to my right. And he's got his nine millimeter right at my chest screaming, don't fucking move, don't move. And like the lieutenant, I didn't say a word. I didn't move because I didn't want to get shot. But the lieutenant is screaming at him, drop your gun, drop your fucking gun. What are you doing? And finally, he just like, I mean, he was so, I, I don't even know how to explain it. Blind. Yeah. It sounds like he was yeah. blinded with yeah. fear. Yeah. What's the point and of the police academy? If it, there's, there's, the police l- academy cannot teach that. There's nothing that could teach that to human beings. I, uh, the That's one, something that has to be in you. Uh, Professor Eric Dyson actually wrote kind of a good article. About, I mean, he's, he's a really smart guy. Sometimes I think he's too smart for his own good, and I don't know if he's ever talked to someone who uh, worked at, at a fast food restaurant in his life. <laughs> but um, he was talking about the just sort of the ingrained kind of racism. You have a situation, you're a detective with, were you a detective at this time? Yeah. You're a detective with the NYPD. This white officer sees you, immediately becomes um, crippled by yeah. fear. Yes. And there's this myth of the black man that, and it goes back to, you're going to love this reference because you were there, you saw it in the theaters, Birth of a Nation. Oh. Uh, you know, when it, oh, wasn't that a great film? It was right? one of the best. I remember it was one of our, it was one of your first dates. The Klan plan. <laughs> <laughs> but there is that sort of ingrained fear when it comes to like big black guy, like we were talking, Michael Brown's big, Gardner was big. Well, hold on, hold this on. Leanne That's get, get, not everybody though. That's no, I know not it's not everybody. everybody. There's, there's, People that think that way, the majority of guys who are on the job are not... Did you ever look at that white officer the same way again? No, of course not. Did you think that white officer acted in a racist manner because you were black? I thought he acted in a way that wasn't consistent with what we need as a police officer. Okay? Right. He could pick up garbage. He can, you know, put out, get a hose and put out fires, work for the fire department or, you know, whatever else. But being a cop, I thought it was a bad idea for that guy. Is there a way you think there's, if there's, is there any way that in training or in the academy that we could test for something like that to weed those people out? They should or do what they it, did in Men in Black. You remember that? Where uh, Will Smith had to go and shoot <laughs> uh, shoot the aliens, but, but instead just have big black guys you rushing You, you just people. say weed them out. Ben, you would be so good doing verticals because the moment you would be walking up, you would catch the scent of that Dutch master's vanilla <laughs> blunt. Yeah. Yeah. You'd, be, I'd you'd be, be, I'd float to it like Pepe Le Pew. That's right, exactly. You'd be hanging with the homies, man, smoking blunts for Obama. You'd be in seventh heaven, man, in those stairwells. Well, maybe I will get into the police force. You gotta like, <laughs> you gotta like the smell of urine too. Oh, yeah. Well, that's oh. why we called it the stink houses, aka yeah. what is officially yeah. called. Now, you know who was right. born and raised in the pink houses? Who was this? Uh, Lloyd Blankfein, right, of Goldmine Sachs, the CEO. Yeah, yes. a lot of people don't know. The uh, guy who's in charge of Starbucks, the CEO, grew up in the Bayview housing projects in Canarsie, where I grew up. I didn't right. grow up in the projects. But a lot of well-known, successful men and women first grew up in the projects. Nobody ever tells that story. All right. we hear about is, oh, people who are poor, impoverished, uh, oriented towards selling drugs. Each one of these projects should have like a wall of fame so that you know sure. in this particular unit on this floor, guess who actually was raised in apartment 4B? And that would, people would be shocked and they would say, wow, you right. can make something of yourself in the projects because there's so much that you're a project kid, you're going mm. nowhere, you're on a one-way trip to Palookaville. You get the word, Ben? Palookaville? Palookaville. I love Palookaville. it. Yeah, you never Pal- Pal- love Palookaville. Palookaville? <laughs> Sounds like type. a fat girl I'm about to have sex with. <laughs> Palooka. Come over here, Palooka. Roll around for me. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. I would love to put that in my pipe and smoke it. You got a pipe? <laughs> <laughs> Sounds great. Do you think this hurts the, uh, the, the... I like that. I like what you're saying there. Um, you know, it, because it, the, all the news media, when it comes to black... Um, 
life, it's just very like either they're victims or, uh, you know, they're uh, they're doing something wrong. You know, there's no there isn't that storyline of someone. I mean, you have the guy uh, Pursuit of Happiness, another Will Smith movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have someone like that who was really a wonderful shining star that showed you can come from nothing and become someone. Um, but all these all these stories about, you know, police abuse. Uh, how uh, black kids are the most uh, hunted people as if they're uh, rhinos in Africa, you know. Um, does that hurt? Does that demoralize the community, do you think? Absolutely. And so Absolutely. Wh- but the irony is I think these people are trying to bring light to it because they're trying to, uh, you know, have us as a society change that. I'm, I'm sure they do want that too. I'm sure they want, you know, I as a cop, I always used to tell people, you know, whenever, whenever I'd make a collar, when I worked in, in Harlem, that's where I retired from. I, I'd spent my last three years on the job in the 3-2, and I couldn't believe the level of interpersonal violence of people fighting each other over absolutely nothing. And uh, my partner and I... Uh, Arnie, what was an example of one of the stupidest fights you've ever gone into, and you're like, you guys are fighting over half a crayon? What's happening? It's not... A, it's, it's... We got... By the time it comes to me, it's a criminal complaint. Right. Okay? And... Uh, one case, let's see, we had a girl uh, who was fighting with these other girls. This girl and her brother was fighting with these, uh, a girl, these other girls, this family. Uh, the family thought the girl thought she was cute. And uh, it was just ridiculous. It was just, right. I'm telling you, I couldn't even begin to explain half the stuff. That people it's are, just extremely petty. Let me give you an example, Please. Ben. You want you know what salt pita is, right? No, I don't. Uh, you check out this hot to trot, drop dead gorgeous female, and you're just incapable of getting a rise because they fed you salt pita in your Cheerios in the morning. Right. All you got to do. Peter? You've never heard of Salt Peter? I haven't heard of half <laughs> of the shit. You <laughs> are a funny duddy. Whoa, whoa. Come you on. You are a funny duddy. This Keep is, it cordial. But anyway, for years, this is what they would put in your food in prison, in the military, to, oh, to keep your, it's your testosterone not oh, crashing okay. through your cranium. But okay. the point is, all you have to do to these demonstrators, who are white and black, and they come from all different backgrounds, is say, next demonstration, we're going to all go out there and take on black on black crime, Right. It's like administering saltpeter to the demonstrators hmm. because, wow, now we got a lot of heavy lifting to do with this. We got a lot of work to do. It can't just be one or two demonstrations and the whole world is watching. That, to me, is where the focus needs to be because if you improve people, they're going to have a better relationship with the cops because now they have more of a reason to protect their equity, mm-hmm. to protect their families, because they got more at stake. And this was what you tried to do with the Guardian Angels, which is where you felt the NYPD was failing the people because they weren't doing a good enough job of being on the grassroots, on the ground, with people protecting well, those people in the subway. We didn't have the cops. We didn't have the cops. Remember, the city itself, when I started the Guardian Angels in 79, yeah. was on the brink of fiscal collapse, going chapter 11. Yeah. They laid off cops, firefighters, teachers, yep, social see. workers. It was draconian. At, late at night, they actually made the announcement there would be no uniformed police officers in they the off peak hours. That? Yeah, in the off peak hours from 7 p.m. to 5 a.m. in the morning. That's like the movie The Purge. Yeah. <laughs> That's insane. But that was on the trains, though. That, that was, was on transit. the trains, right? That was and, the transit police. Okay. And the local yokels just went wild, man. Yeah. And back then, you probably remember, they had mm. the sheepskin coats, you know, they mm. had the belt buckles with their oh, name yeah. on it, you know, and they were diddy bopping and holding their three piece set. And I'm not talking about the knife, the spoon, and the fork. You, you remember those days, right? I love Hip-hop, those days. Graffiti, <laughs> yeah. the 70s. The yeah. mm-hmm. uh, it's retrospective. Yeah, yeah. 
So no cops whatsoever on any uniform train. cops. No so you uniform were, cops. Really no cops. Yeah. Between yeah. seven Maybe a couple of undercover five in cops. The Not even. And you I never got in the last car. The last car was no man's land. That's when you went back there and the fucking people were drinking, exactly and smoking, the having car. sex. We call that the party car. So what do you mean people, you never got into the last subway car? That's people, the car you get into. You just yeah. described everything I like: drinking, smoking, sex. People cooking <laughs> rice and beans back there. Oh it was wow! Fucking crazy. They got the congas and right. uh, kicking out windows. Yeah. Back then they would kick out vandal. The windows. Did you guys ever think maybe you just didn't have enough fun in the 70s? <laughs> I mean, come on, people. Guys, I would love it if every subway car, the last car, was the party car. Yeah. So if you're going was, to work, get in the first car. But you're coming home. Hell, last see, car. the suburbs had their bar car. You know, so right. the suburban trains, very proper, would have the bar. Now, you right. could get half in the bag and juiced in the bar car. Right, right. Except in the MTA, the money-taking agency, mm-hmm. the last car was the party car where you had to uh, bring your own bottle. Old right. English, Code 45, St. Ives Malt Liquor. Yes. Yes. And naturally, you could be smoking your, we'll call them your toothpick, uh, toothpick joints. Yep. You know, yeah, where you have one or two inhales, and then that was it. You know, and then, and then it basically was Roach City. Yeah, you, right. you remember? I, I remember you were hanging I out was, with your old E, right? I loved every second of it. Absolutely, I didn't like when you came and beat me up a bunch. Uh-huh. Uh, but that's okay. So you were filling. You were filling. Uh, there was a power filling vacuum. The void. You right. were filling the void because right. there, no one else was going to be able. And it to came do it. out at the time, and I had mentioned this. Maybe you actually saw the classic movie, The Warriors. Yeah, we were talking about it on the last show, and how unbelievably feminine all those uh, characters were. Right, remember that, it, Marcus? It, yeah, it, I love the Warriors. It it created that image that gangs control the. <laughs> subways and mm. in some places that was true with no police at night right. and we had to go right into that so we were the enemies of the gangs right the cops didn't trust us because we were mostly young people they didn't believe well, they thought we you were, were french exactly and they didn't think we were carrying weapons and nobody wants volunteers coming to work what uh, in the same uh, field that a professional does who has just lost his friends to layoffs and right. firings, because if the city's going to depend on these young whippersnappers, you know, these popping fresh pill boys, uh, 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 Pillsbury doughboys and doughgirls in the red berets and the red sateen jackets, you know, right. they'll never hire my friends back or they'll never hire new rookie cops to fill the void. And I understood all of that. But right. 13 years, it took them 13 years. Wow. Those wooden shampoos, those concrete facials, mm-hmm. those lockups. Oh. Do you know what a wood shampoo is? Well, I assume it's something sexual. <laughs> but I assume no. everything is. So. No, no, no. That's when you get hit on the head with a nightstick. Oh, okay. Well, it is something or sexual. Or they take out where they shouldn't add the truncheons and the blackjacks and tool you up. Right. Yeah. Eric, as a uh, NYPD officer, um, what do you think about the Guardian Angels? What do you think uh, they did? Do you think they were a benefit for the city or do you think they were a negative? I, well... Let me tell you, I thought it was more positive than anything because, look, you have people that have a purpose, and they're out there doing the right thing, okay? Sure. You know? And really, I, I, most of what I knew about the, my experience with them was just what I read. I actually, yeah. when I was working, I never uh, you know, had any uh, interaction with them because they was were there... mostly on the trains, so it was, you yeah. know... But it was I, I remember, you know, watching their exploits and stuff. I thought it was hilarious half the time. Yeah. Like, you know, getting involved in stuff. I saw the daily see the daily news and these other uh newspapers, I don't know, were they they weren't friendly to you no, guys. No, they weren't right? friendly. Editorially yeah. they uh they were actually <laughs> promoting uh, any kind of harassment that could be done legally uh, to us to prevent us from going out yeah. on patrol. Right. Yeah, because I remember I saw a picture. They had a picture of some yuppie who was... Because everybody used to jump to turnstile back in the 70s. 
that some yuppie was jumping a turnstile and like three guardian angels were kicking him in the head at the same time. <laughs> like you, Ben. <laughs> kicking him back over. Hey, you know, I'm just trying yuppie. to get to the party car, yeah, man. Right, Why man. are you kicking me in the head, See, dude? because we were equal opportunity abusers. Right. We didn't just take advantage of people of color. Right, we exactly. We specifically look for the mighty whiteies out there. That, so you're worse. Thank you. <laughs> That's great. Thank you, Curtis. You're really no. making your point. <laughs> no, but you never saw a picture like that with like a black or a Spanish guy getting tuned up. <laughs> right. The right. white yuts goes through. That's right. And they find See, we tried to up. balance it, balance right. the table. <laughs> but again, it, it, it was able to make the papers because it happened to be a white dude in this situation. Yeah, right. So now the narrative is flipped. So if it's a white... Oh, no, I had it's dangerous. Like, it didn't matter who you were. If you were violating uh, the laws, you know, if it was a violation, mm-hmm. we obviously would deal with it. If it was a serious crime, we'd get the police involved. But most times it was just, as uh, you were saying, breaking up these stupid fights and disputes. Over you nothing. stepped on my pumas. Yeah, right. Man, clean my freaking pumas right now. It's like, are you out of your freaking mind? And that was the one time. This is the classic. I get on the four train with the Guardian Angels, and we're heading into the city. And you got this Gavon there with the boombox back then. You remember what a boombox? Yeah, it was John Cusack. He was holding above his head, and he was trying to win a uh, win a girl back. And he's smoking. He's smoking a a spliff. And there's a woman with a child there, and he's very intimidating towards them. He won't put the spliff out. He won't turn the boombox off. And so the woman asked me, "Could you please do something as I'm walking through?" So I go up to him. I said, "Sir." That was my first mistake, uh, showing him any kind of courtesy and respect. Right. Sir, could you turn the boombox off and turn the joint off because it's really bothering the woman. Fuck you. I said, no problem. I went back to the woman. I said, look, ma'am, turn your head. And I went back there, and I didn't hit him. I took his boombox, I opened the window, and threw it out and smashed it against the wall as the train is moving. Nice. So this, I, if I punched him in the face, he wouldn't have been half as upset as me destroying his boombox. The uh, doors open up at 161st Street Yankee Stadium. We're rolling on the platform. I'm getting the best of him, but somehow he gets cut in the back. And the cops come running up because there's a transit district right there, and they see blood all over the guy. Nah. And naturally, you got, you know, your vultures and buzzards. Yeah, man, he tried to murder him. Yeah, that Sliwa guy murdered him. So they got me locked up. They're ready to say, oh, Sliwa, you really went too far now. And luckily, that woman came back with her kid, told the desk sergeant the story. And the ADA comes down, because naturally, it's a big thing. You're looking to, to really jack me up on some serious charges here. Right. And then it came down to the guy himself. He was out on parole. So the ADA said, we're going to lock you both up. And he mm. goes, I don't want to press charges. He said, wait, you, you just kept us here for four hours. Because he knew. If he gets locked up, he goes back up. Right. Yeah. So Yeah, he owes time. I, I really owe it to that woman and her kid. Because a lot of other people would just have kept going. But well, she, she understood there was a problem. And she actually took the train, right. the next train back and became my guardian angel, or I would have really been jammed up big time on that. Well, she shouldn't, she shouldn't have, have gotten it. She would, shouldn't. She would have should. put a smile on your face, man. You would have said, yeah, I remember that time there. I remember I read about that. Yeah, I mean, she shouldn't have gotten on the party card. <laughs> get out of there. If you want If you want to be a buzzkill, get out of here. That guy was just listening to some tunes, smoking a joint. Ask for a hit. Don't be a bitch about it. But whatever. Uh, what do you, uh, let's, get, let's get back a little bit to uh, modern day. Oh, in fact, he uh, was listening to Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five. There you we go. That group? Ah. You remember that group? I love that group. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I remember their... the tune. I remember that. Yeah, I bought their first uh, eight track, I guess. <laughs> yeah, sure. Pretty, pretty cool stuff. <laughs> yeah, I, was, I was always uh, moving my hips to it, <laughs> I believe.
Uh, that's great. Now, obviously, we have more than enough cops on the street nowadays. And it no, seems we're actually low on cops. We're, do you feel like, and do you think that there seems to... Is, is, is we had 40,000 at one time. When I retired, there's only like 30 now. How many? 30,000 seems like a lot, doesn't it? Well, in one room, sure. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> Anything in one, three seems like a lot. No, and not only that, but right. with the retraining now that they have to go through. Now, here's yeah, the let's one... Talk about that. Here's the one group of government workers who have actually, you could say, have been very productive. They, take, they took us from being one of the worst cities in America to the best city in America in terms of all categories of crime. Do you think the police force is single-handedly to, uh, to credit for that? Well, yes. Who, who else? I don't I mean, yeah. you know, business. I didn't see Rudy Giuliani Barclays, out there swinging and winging. No, but you have Bratton. Barclays Center coming up in Atlantic, you know. I didn't I mean, see Ben Kissel doing anything. I'm on the streets. <laughs> yeah. Well, I've heard you put forth, uh, Eric, heard you put forth a theory before that, you know, in the 90s when crime was so terrible, a lot of those guys in the, you know, crack and AIDS and all that, they just ended up killing each other. And a lot of the criminals just ended up dying out, and that was a factor in New York City yes. becoming a safer place. Yes. Nationally. That's a big reason why the, the uh, crime rate went down nationally. Yeah. Because, remember, criminals, uh, criminals, people who commit crime, okay, if you take, a whole, if you take the entire community, right, mm-hmm. it's only 5 to 7% of the population that commits 95 to 99% of the crime. Sure. It's not like everybody's evenly committing a crime taking turns. You know, so what happens is, <clears throat> if you look at the, uh, if you look at homicide victims, if, if you look at the, uh, how many of them have criminal records, you'll find that uh, pretty much seventy-five to eighty to probably ninety percent of homicide victims are people with criminal records. Sure. So when they get killed, what you're doing is you're thinning the herd. Okay. When we had two thousand homicides back in the eighties and the nineties. Okay, those two thousand people, eighty percent of them had criminal records. I mean, but and they didn't get this, to commit this more is, crimes. I want to say this, this the difference. This the, was the difference after that when Giuliani yeah. gets elected and Bratton comes in, a different Bratton. Then it was like not peace, love, and happiness, Bratton. You the know, Bill Bratton like, for now, but it's still the same Bill Bratton, right, right? Block by block, Bratton. But he, they would arrest guys like you two guys. You yeah. know, the Caucasian persuasions, the Snow Bros. You'd be at Snow Bros. Snow Bros. <laughs> oh, Snow Bros. Oh, right. So you I want to be, be a Snow Rose. Well, you're a Snow right. Rose. You'd be drinking your Pabst Blue Ribbon, you know, and then all of a sudden, instead of you. Using uh, a facility, you would go and you would irrigate the uh, lawn outside. Exactly. Under Giuliani and the new policy was it didn't matter who you were, zero tolerance, quality of life initiatives, they would jack you up. Wood shampoo. Right. You'd Mm -hmm. be arrested and naturally you'd be having an ex-lax attack. You'd be schwitzing. So they bring you into the precinct and they would ask you questions. The officer here in the suit would say, look, just tell us anything you know. And you... Because you're such a pussy, you give everything up. <laughs> oh, no, let me tell you, this guy's running hot goods out of it. And that's the way right. they helped solve a lot of crimes, is they would take a low-level offender, a ticketable offense, for sure. urinating the flowers, but bring it down for a few questions, mm-hmm. and you, you would say, gee, are they going to put the good cop in here or the bad cop? Oh, my God. Oh, mm. Am I going to be able to get my Perrier oh, with a twist of line? <laughs> and so they would actually elicit from you and others a lot yeah. of information that that's- would solve 
crimes that were going on on a, a regular basis that were of a much more serious nature. That, I would act just like mumbles from Dick Tracy. But I'd be like, Sliwa did it. Sliwa did it. Sliwa did it. <laughs> well, taking this back to Eric Garner with yes. Broken Windows, what do you what do you say to the people that uh, think that Broken Windows policing isn't necessary anymore, and in fact, Broken Windows policing is one of the things that led to Eric Garner's death, harassing someone for such a low-level mm-hmm. crime right. as... Selling Lucy cigarettes. That's preposterous. Whoa, preposterous. <laughs> is a hippo in the room? I feel like that's a hippo word. If hippos could say one word, it would be like, preposterous. <laughs> okay, why is it preposterous? All right, so let's ask ourselves a question here, honestly, as a black man. Okay, because there's a lot of black people that want to see the law enforced. Okay, the question is, are you saying black people can't obey the law? Is, is that what you're saying? That we're, you know, well, you can't. No, enforce. no, it's not, it's not that he's saying. Why is that a problem? No, the, 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 the thing, the reaction, I, when I got, uh, I helped a friend uh, through a turnstile. I ended up having an open uh, container violation from 2010. This was about a month and a half ago. Oh, good. So I got arrested. And they got you, right? I, they got me, and good. I was cuffed right. up, and my, a, a fan of the show, his friend actually saw me uh, get arrested, and uh, he said that I looked uh, used to it. So I was kind of <laughs> cool with that. So I ended up spending 23 hours down there in Central Booking, and it, you know, it is what it is, and you just kind of you know, try not to stare on the shit that's smeared all over the walls. But the overreaction back in the day that was just another warrant be like follow up it's $20 I can just give you $20 and so for this Lucy cigarette even just the idea of detaining somebody over such a small offense as selling a Lucy cigarette in my opinion is a little bit obscene All right. so why don't we now decide what laws we don't want to enforce it's not about enforcing the law it's a citation though it's all right. so then let's not enforce it no give them a citation Look, the law the law requires him to be arrested. Okay? So you're saying don't they gotta follow change the law. That. They have to change that part of the law. Okay, why? Because this guy can't follow the law? We have people that just won't All do right, it? What, now, what happens, man? How many... What happens? They say, okay, uh, I need a piece of identification. You have to show them identification. Well, what way? He says, fuck you. Yeah. Now, That's now a what do you do, situation. Ben? Oh, this it's happens all the time. a different situation than I don't want to be arrested? Well, no one wants to be arrested unless they're really in need of a right. cheese sandwich. Now the and some cop milk. is on the spot because whether it's a female right. cop, male cop, white cop, black cop, everyone's watching. Right? Is he going to fold like a cheap camera? Because others will take advantage of that too if he shows or she shows weakness. I understand. And that. you are supposed to provide identification. If you don't have identification, you have to make a trip to the precinct. It's that simple. Everybody, you got to go to the precinct. Right. But if he's defiant and he says not today. This is the end of the line. I'm not going with you. What do you do? Right. I mean, this is... The what do you pre- take out? A tranquilizing gun? Like, this is mutual of Omaha's Wild Kingdom? You remember that show? I love that. <laughs> Wild Kingdom was so great. We used to watch it together. Yeah, we would lie on our stomachs Kalahari and eat Desert, our cereal. The water buffalo, they shoot it, and then they wrestle him down after he gets tranquilized. Yeah. I understand that, and it's a very difficult uh, position to be in. My my professor in uh, college, Stephen Red, he's a Mormon and a complete conservative, and I never really liked him, but he was smart. He took somebody's book bag in the beginning of class, and uh, he was like, ask for it back. And the guy asked for it back. He said, no, he said, now what do you do? Ben, did right. you ever ask him about the underwear? What kind of underwear he wore? I didn't, oh. I didn't want to get too oh, into the on, magic on, underwear ben, thing yeah. with him. He was a he was an odd guy. He had a crew cut, and uh, I was kind of intimidated and terrified of the fella. Um, I always thought I was smarter and funnier than he was, though. But... Um, <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I understand what you're saying. Obviously, the cop has to take the power. That's the whole structure of society. I get that. But let's make the but, let's make the line. Then let's draw. Where do we draw the line? The line needs to be drawn by 
at the end of the day, this One guy is selling a Lucy cigarette. He's he's uh, you know he 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 is uh, he is resisting arrest right now. Bill Bratton and Mr. De Blasio, Mayor De Blasio, are going through strategies such as having the guy's mother come out and talk to him, having a black female have a female. This is true. This is what this is. Hold on. But do you think that we should do that? I think that you can find so many other possibilities to resolve the situation as opposed to jumping on somebody's back and chokeholding them until they're dead. Yeah. Okay. Talking to them. All right. You know, um, you know, what was it? Uh, negotiating, ne- right? Negotiation. Just like triage, you know. I mean, I'm sorry. If, if He's a human being. He's a U.S. citizen. He has the rights that are allotted him when you're born in this country. And he has a right not to be jumped on uh, by five what is officers. This hostage negotiation. Call his mother. We'll give her the bullhorn. I mean, hey! Like that would Stallone you cooperate movie? with yeah. the police, please? We got your spaghetti and meatballs waiting at home. It's Prince Spaghetti. <laughs> Night. Honestly, anything would be anything would be better than uh, physically uh, hurting so somebody. Naive. I think you know because oh, you're no, white. Understand- you're so naive. No, I'm not white. Really I'm German. What Wait, John wh- King said, "The great white dope." You're so hopelessly naive about these. I'm things. not hopelessly naive about it. I'm smart enough to know that violence in a situation mm-hmm. like this can be avoided with simple verbiage. Ben, use your words. You know, there's five officers, by the way, as well. And there Did was he say no- roughage rather than meat eaters, carnivorous, because you know they have more testosterone. They're mm-hmm. fighters. Vegans are not so. Basically, Basically, you're suggesting I'm not, I'm a, no one calls me a hipster okay. but you, Cur- Curtis. Okay, I've never seen Ben eat a vegetable in the entire time. And I never been. will, Marcus. <laughs> I don't even eat carbs. They're too much like vegetables. You know why? You're not a vegan, Ben? No. I'm morbidly no. obese. Leave me alone. Uh, but no, there are other ways to do it, and I think that was sort of the... All right, well, let me pose you a situation. All right, pose it. Uh, we had a recent case. It made national news. A kid in the projects kicked a cat. Remember, kicked a cat. Oh, I way do up remember this. Mm-hmm. Yes, he's wearing all red. He's hanging out with his bloods in the projects in Bedsty, do or die. He gets locked up. His mother comes to the court hearing at this place called One Hundred Skimmerhorn Street in Brooklyn. Of course, and she's dressed all in red. She's a bloodette. She's got the tats all over. Now you're gonna call her out. Could you could you calm your son down? He's just kicking the living daylights out of Felix the cat here. <laughs> the bloodette is going to be all in your face. She's going to be taunting you, talking trash. And now you're going to have this huge crowd. You talking to his mother like that? Didn't you ever hear that song? I'll always be your mama. She's my favorite girl. You, know, you remember that song? I love that you song. Judas? Yeah. <laughs> I can't get enough of that one. Who, who sings that one? The Intruders. The Philadelphia 70s, remember? Oh, oh I love the 70s. I can't get enough of the 70s. I understand what you're saying, and I think you're right that obviously these things need to be... The point is to um, diffuse the situation as quickly and as effectively as possible. And the, when when uh, Pantaleo, uh, Pantaleo? Pantaleo. Pantaleo. When he jumped on his back and started doing the chokehold, he, he escalated jump it. on his back. He, he did tried, jump on his back. Hold on. He, he tried I've, to grab his arm. He grabbed, okay. he grabbed Garner's right arm, and Garner pulled away from him. Which is a human reaction when somebody, when an adult no, male grabs another no, adult male. the cop grabs your you arm, to, you just put your arm out so he can put the cuffs on. You can't change the situation in the I'm, street. This is, it is what There is a Lucy that was just sold for 50 cents. That, 50 that, cents. 50 cents. Not, well, whatever. I don't know how you want it. Does that make it 49 cents if you say it that way? <laughs> okay, so yeah. So he grabs his arm. So Garner he, resists. Yeah, he resists. What's left? Where do you grab this guy? You grab him around the waist? Do you think Pantaleo's uh, arms could get around this guy's waist? I mean, it's tough So to he say. can't grab him that way, right? Do you think he could pull his leg up, maybe? 
pull him down that then way? Why there can't you just accept the officers. fact this guy was a pro? He's we, what we call in the street pro style. He knows. Take the position. You get handcuffed. You go to the precinct. If, You're talking about Gardner was a pro right. of being arrested. Right. He's yeah. pro style. He's been in and 30 out 30 times, times and yeah. he never resisted. So he has a bad hair day that day and he resists, right? He knows there right. are ramifications. There are consequences for resisting arrest. He's not, a, he's not a rookie there in the streets. He's been doing this for years. Right. He wouldn't roll with the cops. So now the cops are used to him rolling. He's going to cooperate, and do now he's think not cooperating. They, do you think that they went up to him because they knew they had themselves an easy get? No. They had, a, they had an easy arrest so they could take no. it easy, go back to the precinct and fill out some paperwork as no, opposed to patrolling Staten Island any longer? That's ridiculous. No. Nobody thinks like that. You don't if think you so? want to take it easy, then you I, don't even get into one of those details that you have to work. You just get into the fucking... You get a foot post where you walk... Up and down a block for fucking eight hours. Now, and that's, I mean, is it a quota thing? Let me explain to you what happens. The state collects this tax money on cigarettes. Right. So here is Andrew Evil Ice Cuomo, King Cuomo II. <laughs> His commissioner says we're not collecting what we have already factored into the budget because there are all these illegal cigarettes being sold on tax cartons and Lucy's. Sure. So now it filters down to the police. Goes to one police plaza. At the time, head of patrol banks, who recently resigned, issues an order that says we're getting complaints from merchants, we're getting complaints from the controller of the state, from Mm -hmm. the Cuomo administration. They want more enforcement. The cops are told, enforce it. So now... The cops have to do the dirty work that everyone else tells them to do. And when things go awry, they're the bad ones. You don't hear Cuomo. You don't hear the state controller. You don't hear the authorities saying, yeah, we need more enforcement because we're losing tax dollars. Curtis, thank you. Well, and there's an additional wait, but there's an additional point to this also. Okay. First of all, cigarettes have been determined to be a health hazard for all Americans, okay? There's a national effort to stop people from smoking. Oh, you think this was a get-out-the-smoke campaign by Pantaleo? No, if you let me finish, I'll explain it to you. Please. Okay? First of all, you know, the money, the extra taxes that are charged for cigarettes are to discourage people from smoking, to keep you from dying. Oh, that's bullshit. They just want that money because they know people are so hooked and addicted to it that they're going to pay for it. Wrong. I mean, with this, all you're doing is you're pointing the finger back at them. I haven't finished finished saying what I'm saying. All right. So you can't say who I'm pointing my finger at yet. I haven't made my point. And my point is a simple one, okay? It's a health hazard to people. The money goes for two things. The two issues, the two reasons they, co- the, they have the high taxes on it is to discourage you from smoking, number one. And number two, the money goes into anti-smoking education. And it go- is so, you're saying, so you're saying that Eric Garner's death is collateral damage in the battle against smoking? <laughs> didn't say that. All right. Didn't say that. I mean, that's know, what it sounds. It's a, it's a bizarre it's, lung disease. I, no, no, no. I could see. I could see it's, you though, Ben, looking for Lucy's. You know, guys. I've done it before because they want to sell you menthols. I you know. can't do it. No, no. You, you, you want uh, uh, you want uh, the Slims. Uh, Virginia Slims. Virginia Slims. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The woman, the woman, and the cigarette. All right. So this money, when you call three eleven and you tell them that you want to quit smoking. Guess where they get the money for those patches for the to give you the free I, all yeah. that stuff from the tax money from the revenue that they collect off of people that that buy cigarettes. Mm, okay, sure. so when people sell Lucy's and shit like that, when they go down down south with a fucking truck and they load it up with cigarettes to get it without you know taxes, 
that's a that's a big hit. You're looking you're looking at you know at the end at the end of it. He's the he's the the uh, the part of the hey, iceberg. That the t- term. Let me get this straight with sure. you because you're so naive. No, I got Bootlegging. It. Bootlegging right. CDs, bootlegging right. intellectual right. property, like your yeah. corny jokes, bootlegging right. that. Right. They should go to you would probably want them arrested. They're bootlegging my material. Uh, no, but well, no, I, they could have the jokes. <laughs> the guy that owns the store, okay? Yeah. The guy who owns the store, who pays fucking rent, who pays taxes, all right, who has to pay for employees and mm-hmm. electricity and all that stuff, guess how he feels about it when some fat fucking asshole parks his ass in front of his store and starts to undercut him by selling the same thing he's selling at a cut rate He's a Yemenite, so he's got the Gurkha knife and he can't even slice and dice him or he goes to jail. You've seen that, right? I have no idea what Curtis just said. From Yemen. No clue. They own those convenience (laughs) stores. My convenience store guy is from Yemen. He apologized to me this morning for the recent terrorist attack in Yemen. He's a very very nice guy. Good. I'm happy that all is well with the terrorist attack in Yemen because you're landing Lord apologized to no, you. No, no. My bodega guy apologized to Whatever him. it is. No, but don't, minim- argument- don't minimize the health issues. And, I am and minimizing what- the health issue because that's an insane... That, what stretch are you trying... The man was chokeholded, which is an illegal move by the NYPD bandit. It was definitely a chokehold. We okay, agree with that. You're making a big jump from one thing I'm, to the you're other. You're making a jump from tobacco tax to the fact that this cop overreacted and murdered a dude. What are you, Mr. Philip Morris here? Philip what Morris you, makes tobacco. What are you, Jesse I am pro tobacco to the degree of the tobacco that I smoke, and I smoke about two cigarettes a week. Marcus can attest to this. Maybe well, two what are they, cigarettes. Lucy's? You buy Lucy's? Oh, I, no, I he, take them from yeah, Marcus. Yeah, he bums them from me. Yeah, yeah. don't say know, take them. No, yeah, you know, purpose. I'm, yeah, yeah, you don't physically take them. What, from you me. don't. Use don't make me chew? sound like the weak You don't use no, no. <laughs> No, but what I'm saying is uh, tobacco is totally fine. If you smoke one cigarette a week, you're never going to have any health issues whatsoever. It was the marketing behind it. It was the three packs Excuse a day. Excuse me, Marcus. You're, well you're, you're wrong about that. It doesn't matter. What I'm, we're not arguing the, the issues tobacco of tobacco use. If it's Everyone knows, yes, don't smoke. That will probably the be healthier. The tobacco companies created a cigarette, all right, which... They were able, they created a process which they were able to allow the nicotine to pass through the blood-brain barrier in your, in your brain so that you would be able to be more hooked readily on tobacco. Sure. That's why, that's, if you ever saw the movie The Insider oh, with, wait, Kurt, with Russell Crowe, you use those, that explains those the whole thing. Those hipster electronic cigarettes, right? Yeah, the hipster it's electronic cigarettes. It's just Every mist. word you say you the get grayer. The nicotine mist. What is wrong <laughs> Yeah, inhale. You don't have tars and all those other carcinogens, right? You just That's want right. the nicotine in your electronic cigarette, hipster. It's cool, Curtis. It's cool. It's called not being 60. <laughs> ben, what happened to you? I thought you were one what? of us. You were like, cool, now you're no, crazy no. Haven't hipster. you ever heard that commercial? No, no. <laughs> yeah, with the chick with the voice box. She sounds great. Sounds like EDM yeah. music, your favorite kind of music. <laughs> No, I uh, no, I think the cool side uh, would be the side that uh, is is oh, against you smoke the, cools? the killing. I love cools. Okay, uh, would be against the killing here. But let's get back. To, let's get out of the tobacco conversation. So we agree this guy was doing something illegal. He with the chokehold. But now you, um, what do you think? Is uh, this Pantaleo guy? Is he going to be able to go back into the police force? No. Does he, does he lose his job now? Yes. And uh, I mean, what? 
how can things like this, what can the cops possibly do as a life learning lesson? They have this bull. I, I'm with you guys 100% on how bullshit the three day seminar is at a Holiday Inn. Everyone's mm-hmm. just going there for the continental breakfast and they're going to be half asleep as soon as somebody talks about race relations and how you should better uh, patrol the public. I mean, no one's going to be there and paying any attention whatsoever. It's a three day seminar where they get to jack off and, uh, you know, talk about how fat their wives got. And that's all that's going to happen. But what would be something that could actually work? For the NYPD, so you don't have, uh, and let's get back, and I want to talk about cameras as well, so you don't have an event like this happening again. There has to be another strategy as opposed to jumping on somebody's back and chokeholding them. Okay, first of all, Ben, the the last time this happened was in 1993. Okay, this is now 2014. So we have an event that took, that, that happened once prior 30 years ago. Right. In you think New York, it's that in big New York City, you mean since yeah. 1993? I mean, yeah. it's a big country. No, no, no. New York City is not a big country. It's a well, big I mean, city. Well, because this isn't a New York City issue. This is an American issue. No, no, no. You're, he's talking about training New York City cops. That's a New York City issue. Sure. So just he's asking speak, how to keep that from happening again. Speak to that. Yeah. And I'm trying to say it hasn't happened since 1993. Right. But you see, this is the problem. Ben, it's now 2014. Ben and his homie, they want to launch the third intifada. They want to break more windows. <laughs> and they don't want the cops to respond with zero tolerance, broken window theory. I live you in guys, Williamsburg. There isn't a broken William uh, window there. Right, I love yeah, it. You, you want more windows busted, right? That's really I what want you all want. the windows open. Hey, yeah. I'm, fine. I'm totally fine with all the windows. I'm totally fine with that type of stuff. I mean, I'm just not fine with people dying. For petty, for the, for petty, for petty crimes, it's the petty for, small, for small offenses, yeah. people dying for f- small offenses. That's I'm not against. The, I'm definitely not against the cops. You know, I but people dying for small offenses. Sure, that is that's wrong. That should be stopped. That should at least, the very least, we should take steps to ensure that that doesn't happen. I mean, Let's, and that goes on both the uh, civilians and the cops side. That I mean, Eric uh, or uh, Michael n- Brown. Michael Brown. N- none of these cops. They don't want to kill people. Like they don't want to be on that side, but when you get guys right, that are so terrified, you when you get these guys uh, like Darren Wilson and these how guys do you know like Darren dude, Wilson's Darren, terrified? Well, he though. said he was terrified. He said he was terrified. Yeah. Like he, he testified that he was terrified. He also tell, testified that the guy grabbed his gun. If you're going to accept that he was terrified, then accept everything else he said. Don't be selective and cherry pick it. Now, let me give you another street smart thing. The panacea now is body cameras, right? This is what we should talk about. Schmucks and putzes like you think, oh, this is the panacea. Who's the schmuck and who's the putz, Carlos? I didn't say anything about about body cameras. Schmuck and the putz. Am I the schmuck or the putz? I want to be the putz. Oh, I want to be the putz. Body cameras are going to be great. Body cameras are going to be great. I guarantee you. Curtis, go. You're an officer, you're getting out of your car, you're asking these mutts and scales to come up, you want to talk with them. You get your fucking camera on, oh, man, no way, no way, and they co- cover their and they start walking away. Now what do you do? Well, why do I want to talk to them? Well, again, you know, they, I, don't, they, they don't necessarily know, but you if, understand they're saying no camera, no camera. Let's, let's take this to a personal experience that you had with Raymond Santana from the Central Park Five. I just listened to an interview with him, and Curtis, you were mentioned as well. They don't like either of you oh, very much. I'm shocked. <laughs> <laughs> Believe shocked. it or not, they think you guys do? should probably be murdered. Um, but, what did uh, Curtis do? Well, Curtis, his he wife was no. there at the trial cheering them on for the death penalty, even though the state doesn't have it. Um, and Donald Trump was putting money down. But let's just say you had a body cam way back there what was it 92 93 when it, April uh, 19th 1989 okay well can you give me the exact date um, and uh, <laughs> let's just say you have the body camera on you there yeah. and every single 
issue is resolved, wouldn't you say? Because yeah. Raymond Santana talks about, and I want to hear your words. I listened to the interview. He said that you hit him in the back of the head with a walkie-talkie. That night, I mean, you tell the story a lot, you know what I'm saying? But this is the first time you're telling it on the Combat Jack show. That night, like after everything in the park, you guys came out, right? You, mm-hmm. you, where'd, you, where'd you guys go? No, what happened was we was, I was, well, we was walking up uh, Central Park West. Right. When I got apprehended by a detective named Officer Reynolds. Okay. Um, not to tell you, he was a police officer, police white, officer. White, 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 black, 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 black officer. Right. Who was just recently in the Daily News this past week. Because he's he's a guy that's claiming he invented the term yeah. wilding? Yeah, I, you know, I mean. Is he fucking crazy? Yeah, I, and I, you know, and the thing that bugged me, I would say. He's you, wilding out. You want credit for that shit? Yeah. Like, at the end of the day, you know, he's uh, I'm the one who 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 put in the report wilding and wolf pack. And I said, this, and there's a black dude at yeah. that. And it's like, wow. You want credit for that? Yeah, how, fine. How how did how did he approach you, man? No, what happened was that um, uh, the group was ahead of me, right? Right. I was walking by myself, and when he came, jumped out of his car, the group ran, but I kept walking, and he grabbed me, and he grabbed this other kid by the name of Steve Lopez, right? And we were the ones that got arrested that night, right? And then um, and you weren't running, nah, right? I was just walking. the The group was like at least you know there was steps ahead of me, so when they scattered. You know, and um, and I just kept walking, and I got to the corner, and he grabbed me and put me on the wall. Had cops ever fucked with you before? Nah. Yeah. So this is the first. This is your real first interaction. Real first with, with quote unquote law enforcement. That's correct. And what is he telling you? You know, I said what I do, and he, and he um he put me on the wall, and um I kept questioning like why you stopped me, why you stopped me, and he what was your, what was your attitude like? No, my you know, I had an attitude, right. you know, cause like why you stopping me, and he, he pulled us walkie talkie, and he hit me in the back of the head with it, right. And I stopped talking after that. He says that when he got arrested, uh, arrested uh, with Lopez, he almost slips up, in my opinion, and talks about how Lopez was talking about a girl. But he's like, we just got arrested. We weren't saying anything. Lopez mentioned, and then he moves on. Right, right. Okay. He mentioned that he just came from their girlfriends. Right. right with their girlfriends. But he, he's claiming that you hit him in the back of the head with a walkie-talkie. First of all, did you? And second of all, a body camera, what do you think that would have, how, how would that have changed the entire narrative? Uh, it probably wouldn't have changed anything in our case. Um, because a body camera, from my perspective, all you would have seen was, uh, you know, the chase, you know, seeing us in, driving around in, the, in our van, patrolling and listening to the radio and, and trying to find the kids. Um, you would have seen us pull up on them. Right. You would have seen, uh, you would have heard the rap on my window from the fucking idiot female cop who pulled up. To us, this is why this is why half of them got away. Mm. Uh, we had actually saw the whole group of thirty of them. All right, on the sidewalk, we were in plain clothes. We were in anti-crime in the parks department vehicle, and we were. I was going to call for. I was going to call for assistance. I was going to call for backup. Everybody, come! No lights, no sirens. We got them. We could fucking box them in. And all of a sudden, they stop and they're pointing at us. And I'm like, holy shit! How the fuck did they make us? Because nobody ever makes us. Then there's a rap on my window, and it's a female cop. Right. And she's like, oh, I think that's them across the street. <laughs> I'm like, you fucking idiot. What do you right. think we're doing here? Yeah. It's comical. Why it's the a, fuck yeah. are we sitting here, you It's Parks Department, moron. right? It's yeah. Parks Department. Yeah. So, uh, the, of course, they you know start to bail on us. We pull over. We grab uh, five of them. Now, what happened was all of them ran except for Raymond Santana and Stephen Lopez. Right. Right? So now the first thing they tell me is that the rest of the group was going to rob them. They were about to get jumped. Right. So all of this would have been recorded on the camera. It wouldn't just right. be he said, she said, or he said, he said, this or officer the, said. Uh, this is the Black first time. Said. This is the first time he's saying this in twenty five years. 
Right. That he, he that you were hit that he was hit yes. with uh, in the with the didn't say it during the trial. Didn't say it in the years after that. Right. This is the first anybody's ever heard of this. So this is nothing new. The sensationalization of white officers killing and uh, arresting uh, black people uh, black people for no reason. Yeah. Do you think, Curtis, do you think in your opinion it's gotten, do you think it's worse now than it was? Oh, no. Oh, no. Things have gotten so much better, you know, basically because of technology, better communication, better police responses and tactics. But uh, for the racial racketeers, those like Al Slim Shady Sharpton and the National Action Hate Network, this is a cottage industry. Right. So when these uh, occasions do occur, if it's black on black, let's say black police officer, black suspect, I'm going to tell you, Al Slim Shady Sharpton saying, not interested. Yeah, family, please. Oh, and there's sure. B grade people. I can outsource it. Not interested. You need the dynamics of white versus black. And then the dance takes place because the PBA jumps in and they're predominantly white. And then naturally, Sharpton's happy because this is exactly what he was hoping for. And then it's off to the races because remember, the lawyers get involved. There's money, there's payouts. And that's why this is an industry now. There's no yeah. industry in just black on black. But there is an industry when you can get a situation involving a white cop, a black suspect, and an eventual payout, right. wrongful death situation. Everyone gets greased. And Al Slim Shady Sharpton, they buy a few tables at his shakedown uh, annual uh, banquet there at the Hilton. So you understand, Ben, you, right. you connect the dots there. Oh, I got them all connected. Okay, all They've right. been connected Al, ever since I started Al thinking. Al Sharpton has unique ability to just waltz right into a situation. As long as, well, like this is you what said, he does. Right. And I've seen him, and he's effective. Right. As long right. as it brings fits the his whole package. So let's yeah. say, in this case, it's the Garner family. Sure. Nobody will even return their phone call before Eric Garner dies. Now the whole world is calling him. Sharpton comes in. He goes, we've got the PR people. We'll shuttle you around. We'll mm -hmm. take care of your needs. All questions come to me. I'll handle it. We have the attorneys. So in these families, they're not used to this. And he comes in and he provides one-stop shopping. And that's why he's, it's almost like an agent who's right. like Boris in Major League Baseball. Right. He's able to sign up A-Rod and all the rest yeah. because he brings the full package to right. the table. Well, he brings the press. He brings yeah. the agitators. Right. He, you know, he's got the show. He gets on MSNBC uh -huh. and he starts yelling out the lies immediately. Okay, yeah, and I've seen that show. It. It's called Shakedown America, right? Yeah, I love that show. Yeah, yeah, it's okay. one of my favorites. It's it's a powerful tool that he has, and he uses it effectively. Let's talk briefly about the economy of it, then. Like we were talking about, apparently the Central Park Five are seeking fifty-two million dollars more. I'm sure the Gardner family and Michael Brown's family they're going to be seeking a lot of monetary, um, you know, um, condolences. I guess. Uh, what's the economy of it? Obviously, the lawyers get a cut. Al Sharpton. Do you think they're just in there because they see the dollar signs? Absolutely. When I gave my deposition in the Central Park Five case, I swear to God, there was one lawyer who couldn't stop smiling the whole time. He had this fucking smile on. And I was just like, holy shit. He just, I realized it. He's, well, he's picturing the house, the example. cars, all the shit he's going to get with this. We saw recently the go-to guy who actually invented the advertising campaign 1-800-LIARS-FOR-HIRE that you see everywhere, Sanford Rubenstein. You okay. know, the one that the New York Post said he, he was hung like cashews. Ah, uh, the guy who raped the woman after uh, yeah. Sharpton's party. Well, he hasn't been charged yet. But well, and point, he won't right, be, but yeah. Right. The point right. being is he perfected this. That's why Al Slim Shady Sharpton developed this partnership, that it became like a slip and fall law firm, except it involves wrongful death cases. 
There's mm. a lot of money to be made. And now with de Blasio, mm. it's basically stamp it, stamp it, settle, settle, whatever they want, give it to them. The lawyers get paid. Everybody gets paid. The family makes more money. It's not like they were looking to lose a family member. But let's face it, they're, they're going to be making millions. And then mm. you'll see the fights internally, like in all families, once there's money on the table, everybody is at each other's throats. And Sharpton walks away like the uh, cat that swallowed Tweety Bird. You remember that cartoon, the cat I that loved that cartoon, and then the Tweety Bird would always get out. Yeah, yeah. That was one of my favorite parts. You remember that, Curtis? Oh, of course. Yeah. I grew up with that. <laughs> I know. I think You, you weren't ate- even playing with your G.I. Joe doll at that time, right? That's right. Uh, action figure. Okay. G.I. Joe doll. Ken. I'm What's sorry. What's wrong with you? He was playing with his Ken doll. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> Speaking from... <laughs> Androgynous Ken. Got a closeted gay over here calling Ken me gay. Doll. The whole goddamn world's falling. <laughs> apart uh no that's a uh, so yeah so basically it should be the, the money is there and so you would say out of the brown case the girly case and the gardener case the girly case is the one that gets oh, no press the whatsoever there's gonna be no payout whatsoever because it's a it's, it's an, an asian, asian. well wait you see now i have a different take on that okay okay i believe that it was uh bill Bratton's handling of that situation that actually kept tensions very low. Really? Because immediately he said that it was a mistake. He said that this guy fucked up. He was very forthright with all the, you know, with the facts in the case. Another thing that they did, nobody mentioned his criminal record. Okay, which is very inflammatory, and it's it's not anything that's needed in a case like this because it's an accident. Right. Okay. Well, it wasn't a, it wasn't a confrontation over perceived criminality. Right. And the guy, you're right. He did have a heavy rap. Sheet. He had a heavy rap heavy sheet, rap but sheet. again, that had nothing to do with it. It has no bearing on it. Right. It was an accident. This guy's going to be fired. Okay. Shouldn't have had his hand on his on the trigger. Well, he, he shouldn't have. He, he should have called for help right away. Okay, if that well, we if now that's find true, out, six minutes. Six minutes. Yeah. he's not responding to a supervisor. That's he's bad. texting the PBA shop steward. He's texting. What do I do? Yeah. That's yeah. bad. The union chief. That's right. bad. That's bad. Right. Okay. You you got to no. give the guy aid. You got to You got to You got to try to save his life or something. You just fucking shot him. I mean, Jesus but can Christ. Can you imagine right. though, Ben? It was a white cop that made all these mess ups. Exactly. There'd be there would have been rallies, Charles Barron, which that's his ballywick. There'd have been no justice, no peace rallies galore. I'm because he's an Asian cop, it didn't have those same dynamics. Yeah. Didn't have those same um, dynamics. Eric, for you specifically, as a black dude who has a little bit more of a conservative leaning, you uh Charles Barkley came out and was talking about how he thinks that, you know, cops for the majority of cops are good. He doesn't he he agreed with the Ferguson decision, which was very inflammatory uh mm. for you know most of the people in his community. I think we talked briefly when you were on for the Central Park Five interview. Um but as a black dude, I mean how do you uh how do you feel about Charles Barkley's comments and how do you feel the black community is uh, is reacting? To uh, to the idea of a uh, differing point of view. I mean, because I feel like there's a lot of pressure to fall in line. Yeah. And Curtis, you can talk about it as well, of course. Um, but oh, I mean, yeah. so how do you even, you know, how do you how do you get how do you break that that sharp and hold of you know constantly just showing dead black boys being killed by white officers and that becoming almost normal now? How do you how do you break that mindset in a in an entire community? It's hard to do. I mean. Uh, Sharpton has a distinct advantage where he, you know, he has the media. Okay, he has a television show where he can, you know, pump his ideas out there constantly. I mean, you know, any type of any type of uh, situation where you have somebody, you know, spouting propaganda, no matter who it was, that's the key to winning any type of war. Right. You know, 
you want your way you you know you start spreading the lies you and I don't know how to I, I don't know how uh, well, black what, people are going to get happened. past this uh, Charles Barkley first started on the Ferguson situation right. then obviously talked about the Garner situation and very much in your face very street so it's hard to take on a guy like Barkley because he's got street cred. He also is about a fa- as fat as Eric Gardner. Yeah, but he's <laughs> yeah. not Urkel. You know, he's no, not, he's not. He's not a wonk. No, he's not. But you notice who stayed quiet in that on the TNT broadcast. So you have Smith arguing with Barkley. Kenny the Jet, yep. Shaq, the deputy sheriff, right? Remember all those That's times right. off-season? Oh, yeah, yeah. Shaq, he's, he's riding around. He's making busts. He's, he's pro-cop. He's, right. Didn't say a word. See, that's the problem. Right. A lot of blacks right. who feel the way Barkley does, mm-hmm. like Shaq, we know because he was out there as a deputy cop. They put zippers on their mouths, window shades on their eyes, and cotton balls in their ears. They don't get involved because they don't want to be perceived of as a Uncle Tom. Right. You sell out. You trade why? Black people don't have a different point of view like white people? Like Jewish people? You put 11 Jewish people in the room, you get 11 different opinions. Black right. people are not entitled. And white people like you and me and your Mar- funny Marcus. Done here. Right. Mark. <laughs> what? The <laughs> great just... Mashiach. Every, yeah. every time there's a crisis, white media says there has to be one singular voice from the black community. The only right, people right. who have to have a leader, a Moses, a Mashiach, are black people. Yeah. Everyone else, you don't see. Italians don't have a leader. Uh, Puerto Ricans don't have a leader. Dominicans don't have a leader. Why is this? Because the white media demands that we have a black leader, even though we know there are multiple yeah. leaders in the black community, but they don't get any time. Right. Barkley gets time because he's a basketball prognosticator who all of a sudden diverts talks about the race issue when it's hot and does it in a very in-your-face way so you can't ignore him because he's got street cred. He was an enforcer in the NBA. He wasn't a guy taking three-point set shots. So now he's got the cred, and you got to listen to him. But look, Shaq. Shaq could have said something. He didn't. Right. He was like the sphinx. He was the mummy. It was like he got it, when he would be fouled all the time in the paint. Oh, he fouled me. He fouled me. All of a sudden, he didn't say nothing. Well, it hurt his bottom line, I think. You well, know, it's not it's, it's not a lucrative afraid, it's not a lucrative right, um, but he's afraid to get involved in the tangle. There are different points of view in the black community and we know Shaq was more in line with Barkley's point of view than sure. his colleagues Smith's point of view. But he just decided to stay quiet. All you should have done is ask him about Kobe. He would have said, he's a dirtbag. He was never a team player. <laughs> uh, what about uh, Eric Conner? What about Ferguson? <laughs> right, right, right. So you think there's a lack of diversity in opinions that are being offered oh, by the yeah. black community or that yeah. are, that's allowed to be offered by the black community by the mainstream media? Black people are very emotional. Very emotional about racial issues and... Sometimes it's hard to get a conversation going that sort of looks at the complexities of it. You know, you try right. to look at the uh, individual issues with each one of these. It's a disservice to, to lump them all together, you know, to, to uh, the New York sh- uh, shooting, you know, the kid in the hallway, and then the Staten Island thing, and mm-hmm. then the, the Brown, Michael Brown case. Look, they're all separate, involving separate yeah, and individuals. And there's the Cleveland case, which you touched on. Here's a 12-year-old right. kid. He's out there pointing it at people walking past him. It looks like a real gun. An older black guy is in the gazebo in the park. He drops time, 911. Hey, this kid is pointing a gun. I think it might be a fake gun. I'm not sure. Cops respond. He reaches for the gun in his waistband. He doesn't like, oh, no, no, it's fake. It's phony. It's fraudulent. It's a fugazi. He aims the gun at the cop. 
What the hell would you do in that situation? You know how they test cops now in the academy, how they simulate and they bring in the leaders of the community. They, they call them simulated potential shootings. Okay. When they take a video form. Do you know how many people who are anti-cop, who go through that training, end up pulling the trigger over and over in what should have been a no-kill situation? And they come out and they tell you, yeah, I yeah. overreacted, I overreacted. Sure. Imagine this kid is aiming what looks like a real gun at you. You're not asking him, hey, could I see your birth certificate? You're looking at a gun that may take you out. You're trained to shoot. And yet we're vilifying this cop and well, not the kid or the parents. Like, why was your kid out there with this fake gun? Why was he aiming it at people passing by, you know, like he was going to shoot them? You think maybe the family is somewhat culpable and responsible for for not reining in a kid who clearly has a, a set of issues there? No, nobody will do that. I nobody will ask the hard questions. Yeah. It, the responsibility falls on everybody else for people that won't take care of the kids, that won't, you know, teach them the right way, keep them, you know, keep them safe by teaching them to be smart. I think the tragedy of it is a 12-year-old has a 12-year-old's mind. And when I used to play with guns constantly, and they were that exact same BB gun. We used to have BB gun wars in my house with my basement, me and my brothers. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, so obviously running around, I used to just run around uh, my entire yard with it. But I had the luxury of having a yard, and I'm not sure if this kid really did. Um, So I think that, you know, in his mind, he's he's a child. What what the... What the hell does having a yard have to do with Well, you get to run around on your own property as opposed to going to a, to a public park, you know, with a gun that looks relatively real. You know, you're looking for every excuse to pull out for a kid who's aiming a gun at people as Aiming a BB a gun. Nobody knew it was a BB gun. It's like fat-free cake. It's technically cake. <laughs> but it's not nearly is it gluten, as... Is it gluten-free? Yeah, of course it's okay, gluten-free. I have to eat it. I have to eat the full, right, the full one myself. But if there's no sign on that cake, how do you know it's not fat-free? Well, I guess you got to shoot it. <laughs> shoot it. You have to shoot it and then not give it medical attention for, you know, the entire time. Shoot it and then throw it away. Uh, no, but I love it. Um, I think we can wrap it up. But, uh, you know, guys, it was so awesome. And these are very complex issues. And, you know... Um, there's no clear-cut answer, and I think that's really the problem. You know, because there is no clear-cut answer, there's uh, there's no clear-cut seven-second soundbite. No. And there's a, there's no Vine video, which, dare I say, I can barely get through one of those. <laughs> Keep them. You know what Vine is? Uh, yes. You Vimo, do, Curtis? Vimo, V-I-M-E-O, right? No, Vine. V-I-N-E. Oh, that's in Vimeo Los Angeles, is a whole n- right? Vine. All right. Hollywood and Vine, right? Hollywood weird and Vine, where all your friends, your trendoids, freakish, so yeah, my transgoid friends, my ro- my robot transgender trendoid friends, trendoid, trendoids, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, not talking transformers, transgender, transvestites. Uh-huh. See where your mind is. You see where your mind. It's is? always there. You're thinking it's I haven't stopped thinking about boobs this whole time. Cruising Sunset Boulevard for transvestites. That's where your mind is. Hey, absolutely. Why not? I got a car for a reason. Better use it. You know. Um, Eric, anything you want to plug? Anything coming up? Um, no, that's it. I got stuff going on, but you know. No, everything's good. <laughs> good self promotion. <laughs> yeah, you know. Next thing we, we see him at the Apollo next Friday, headlining. But isn't that refreshing, Ben? He's not out here yeah. you know, prostituting something, right? Curtis, how about you? Oh, do you? I prostitute all the time, man. Do we have another hour? We do. What's yeah. things to prostitute? Absolutely. Uh, listen to uh, Curtis's radio show on WABC. It's at noon. It's called Curtis and Kubi. Um, Kubi? Kubi. 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 Whose mommy is a commie. <laughs> <laughs>
Yeah. Who's mommy is yeah. a commie, and that's nice. the number one radio show I believe in New York right now. Yeah, well, it's doing very well. Yeah, and it, and it should be because you're unbelievably talented, and uh, and so are you, Mr. Reynolds. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here. That's Marcus Parks. I'm Ben Kissel, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home.